We welcome you to our study of Hebrews chapter 3 here on the Radio Bible Course. In the opening passages of Hebrews chapter 3, the writer has made a comparison between Jesus and Moses. Jesus he calls the Son. Moses he refers to as a servant. His purpose is to exalt Jesus to the point where these Hebrew Christians will be returning to him and have full confidence in him rather than returning to Moses and the laws which he gave. Apparently, there was a defection from the Christian faith back to Judaism among some of these Hebrews. That seems evident throughout this epistle. Now, in the final passage, which we discussed last week, verse 6, it said, but Christ was faithful over God's house as a son, as compared to Moses being faithful in God's house as a servant. And then in verse 6, he concludes with this, And we are his house, if we hold fast our confidence and pride in our hope. What does he mean by we, we believers, are his house? Again, I remind you of what we clarified last week, that the word house here is not referring to a physical building, a structure in which people live, but rather a household or a dynasty. Just as God had a household in the Old Testament, which was led by Moses, the leader who brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, so Jesus Christ is the leader of another household known as the church. It's made up of Jew and Gentile. All those who believe are a member of that household. Now, does the New Testament support this kind of an idea? It does. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, we read, So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built into it, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You can see that the household is a body of people. It is referred to as the holy temple of God because God lives in that temple. He lives in the believer. And that's a wonderful privilege. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel had a temple. Their bodies were not the temple of God. But in the New Testament, our bodies are the place where God lives. He chooses to call us his temple. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reinforces this theme by saying, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And that's a summary statement following the sins of the Corinthians, which Paul discusses. He said, Do you not know, and I'm referring to verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? 
Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Now, this is reason for purity, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a neglected truth of the Christian life. There are men who have great enthusiasm and zeal for God, but they live immorally. They clap their hands in the meeting. They shout hallelujah and glory, but there is no glory, only shame, because they have sinned against their own body, and they have corrupted the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Peter talked about us being the household of God in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 4. He said, Come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious, and, like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus is to the church like the cornerstone is to a building. And Peter continues, To you therefore who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, and a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. For they stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church is this household of God, called out of darkness into light. Now, in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 3, we have a test for salvation. Keep in mind that the first Christians were Jews, and the first enemies of Christians were also Jews. There was great pressure on Jewish Christians to return to the religion of Judaism because of persecution upon them. Some of the Jewish teachers infiltrated the church in order to exalt the Old Covenant and to promote Jewish tradition. The writer of the Hebrew letter is, of course, aware of all this, and he reminds his readers that they belong to Christ's house if they do not go back to Judaism, and that's their test. He is not informing them of how to keep salvation. He is giving them a test for salvation, and I'm referring to the latter part of verse 6. And we are his house if we hold fast our confidence and pride in our hope. No one 
ever need tell a believer how to keep his salvation, for that's God's work. The God who makes the promise is the one who keeps the promise. Men's part is to believe the promise. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, we find the word if. I don't think you will understand this verse or other verses in the book of Hebrews if you forget what the word grace means. So many people dwell on the ifs in the New Testament, and they forget grace salvation. Now, we should expect to find ifs, because the essence of faith is holding fast, confidence, and rejoicing in Jesus, our hope. We who believe don't commit the keeping of our souls to him for an hour. We do it for eternity, and we have no other hope for salvation. Those who believe are saved, and they'll be around next month, and they'll be around next year. Now, as we continue this study, I want to say a word to our listeners. Your interest in the Word of God is indicative of something critical which our lesson here emphasizes. Over many years of Bible teaching, I have seen people come and go. I have witnessed enthusiasm for the gospel. I have heard expressions of zeal for knowledge of God's Word, only to see this fade away after a few months. And I am reminded of the parable of the sower which Jesus gave us. He talked about the sower who went out to sow seed. And he said, Some seed fell on the path, some on the rock, some among thorns, and some on good soil. Jesus explained that the seed is the word of God. And then he explained the parable and said, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bring forth fruit with patience. I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. In verse 6, he talks about us being in that household of Jesus Christ. If we hold fast our confidence and pride in our hope, Perseverance has always been a proof that a person believes. Now, this is a far cry from making a decision and then trying to convince yourself that you are saved. There is no promise in the Bible to those who make decisions, only to those who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal deliverance. As you know, I preach a very simple gospel, and it comes right from Jesus, who taught us, that God is looking for people who will believe in him. He confronted men and said, Believe in me. If you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. But what lies behind these words, only believe? Well, when a person believes, he acknowledges who Christ is, and he relies on what Christ did. 
When he believes in Christ, he abandons. That means he turns from everything else that people trust in. He refuses to have any further confidence in all the traditions or the rituals or the sacraments which he was taught would help him to get to heaven. Instead, he has confidence that God will keep the promise he has made concerning eternal life. And that comes from the very soul of man. A man must be convinced in his heart when he believes. He doesn't need prompting or urging or conditioning or manipulating. That perverts the divine process of salvation because the Spirit is the one who draws and convinces men, and we ought not to do that. I like to convince people that the Word of God is trustworthy, but I will not persuade them to believe in Jesus. If the Word of God and the words of Jesus himself aren't forceful enough to convince a man to believe in order to be saved from eternal destruction, then certainly the words of Nick Calabota are not going to persuade him either. Now test yourself. Do you have complete confidence that Jesus has done enough to save you for eternity? If you have doubts about it, I wish you would write to me. Our free booklet on Heaven's Password will explain what the Bible teaches about how a person can get eternal life. You'll want to get a copy for yourself or for a friend. Write today for Heaven's Password, it's free, to the Radio Bible Course, Box 25301, Baton Rouge, 70894. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.